Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in studio is Nazarene Capuchubana, who is the CEO of EDEF, an organization she founded in 2007 that focuses on training and empowering the deaf. Prior to this role, she was an anchor, field presenter, and director of Signature for Deaf Adults, a deaf television program. And she also served on the National Executive Committee of Deaf SA as the Gauteng leader from 1990 to 2007. Nazreen was born deaf. Her first languages are English and sign language. So to all our listeners, if you envision our studio, it's a, a little bit of a, a different setup where we have Nazarene and we are also having a video broadcast of the show for our deaf audience to view sign language as well. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm really, really honored to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Before we talk about your current role, let's reflect a little on your journey to this point. According to Deaf SA or Deaf Federation of South Africa, there's approximately just under a million people in South Africa who are either deaf or hard of hearing. You were born deaf. You attended and matriculated from schools both in Gauteng as well as Cape Town, and you went on to attain a tertiary qualification equipping you to teach. Education is a critical tool for empowerment. Can you please share with us some of your experiences and also the importance of attending a special school for deaf students? Well, absolutely. Um, first of all, when I was in school, like you said, I was in school in Cape Town. I started school, I was about three or four years old when I started school in Johannesburg, a tiny, tiny little Indian school, um, which unfortunately closed down. This was during apartheid as well, and I moved to Cape Town. I attended school in Cape Town, a thousand kilometers away from home. My family all stayed in Johannesburg. They, they, I only saw them two, two times a year during school holidays. But it was it was wonderful school, and I learned a lot. That was where I learned sign language, everything. But unfortunately, it was an oral school, which meant that we didn't use sign language to communicate within the classroom. And um, in the deaf hostels, that is where sign language just grew and blossomed. It was that was where I learned everything. We walked around with our names on a little name board, so people would know who we were, and that was where we learned um, about deaf culture as well. And, and our deaf identity grew in the deaf schools. That is still the case today. I learned a lot. I did various different subjects in school. I then moved back to Johannesburg in 1985, and I started school in Johannesburg in Linasia. That was when we did standards back in the day, standard one, two, three, four, five. I unfortunately did not finish um, matric. Um, I did a N level, it's called N1, N2, N3. So those are more technical subjects. So looking back on my schooling experience, the school is amazing. It's where I, I got my deaf identity. Um, 
education in South Africa, there's still still big barriers. We only have about 44 schools for the deaf throughout South Africa and about 10 offer matric. So we have all of our deaf learners and only 10 schools offer matric. So there's huge barriers in terms of tertiary education, um, job market, you know, with business demands of a matric, you know, nowadays. So those are the already the huge barriers for deaf education. So those who those very few who do manage to get tertiary education then also can't afford to have an interpreter with them. So unfortunately, the, the deaf education system is far behind the hearing education system or, or the, the education of, of, of deaf people's counterparts being hearing peers. So we do learn a lot in school. We learn our identity, we get our culture there. But unfortunately, for most deaf people, 90% of deaf people are born to hearing parents. So they are exposed to language a lot later in life. They are not exposed to language from day one, hearing their parents talking to them. So that language delay is always, it's a, it's a catch-up game. They are always playing a catch-up game. So yes, schools for the deaf are vital um, in our, learning our culture and developing our identity and learning our language. Um, but it's, it's a work in progress. We are improving them. You mentioned a few times learning deaf culture, learning deaf identity as being part of the education within the deaf school, so beyond just the knowledge and the academic components. Please, can you tell us a bit more about this important aspect of your life, culture and identity? Identity in the deaf community, it's, it's, it's a huge thing to know who you are and where you fit in. Because, you know, hearing people, they're exposed to everything from day one. They know from day, day one who their parents teach them. Who are my family? What is my culture? Where do I come from? What is my history? Deaf people don't have that. They see the visuals going on around. They see family celebrating. They see things going on. But they don't get exposed to this is our family. This is our culture. This is where we come from. This is what we celebrate. So a lot of the time for, for deaf people, we don't know where we fit in. We're not even taught our names because, you know, from day one, our family is saying Nazarene, 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 but I can't hear Nazarene. I don't know that's who I am. I don't know that they're calling me. So, and they'll say to you, your name is Nazarene. And you learn it eventually through your family. And you have a little board when you go into the deaf school that's got your name. And you're like, oh, that's me. Is that what a name... Oh, I don't know what a name was. Like, you don't even know simple things like that. So that's why it's it's so important to develop that identity. Um, deaf culture as well, it's beautiful. It's, it's nothing to do with the clothes and the traditions and the food we wear. It's simple things like, how do we get each other's attention? Um, we flash lights on and off when we enter a room. Deaf people are very, very social creatures because a lot of the time we will go... We come from boarding schools. So we are always very social. I mean, I promise you, I can't even tell you how many of my friends say, I'm, gonna, I'm coming to visit, I have to leave at 4, and then they leave at 10 o'clock at night. Because we're social, because a lot of the time our background and our family limits our social exposure. And it's not their fault, obviously, because they can't sign or they just, you know, they don't, they're not able to communicate with us. So, yeah. So it's almost as though you have two sets of culture. You've got the family that you're born into, and then you've got the culture and the embracement of the deaf community where you, you live and socialize. Yes, absolutely, 
and most deaf people, we feel at home in the deaf community because when we are at home with our families, it's, it's the religious side, those, the cultural side, the traditions, um, and especially if you've got those very strong religious families like the Muslim families and the, the Hindu families. But unfortunately, we don't have access to what they are celebrating. We don't know the history behind it. You know, because we don't have communication with our family. But you will see, I mean, recently as well in the deaf community, there have been a couple of social gatherings, and they're beautiful because that's where you feel at home. You know, you feel everybody understands me, I understand everybody. So thankfully, thank God, I mean, my husband is also deaf. We don't have any children, but we have a rich deaf family. My husband's sister as well is deaf. Her two children, my, my, my nieces and nephews, can sign. So we have a beautiful family. Um, but it's, it's, it's difficult when you always your family speaking to you and you can't understand them. It, it is difficult. So that's why the deaf community becomes home. You know, for the deaf in South Africa, most of us focus a lot more on, on our deaf community and on our culture within the deaf community. Yes, a lot. Um, have respect for their family that they come from at home, their sort of hearing family, if I could call it that. But I would say 80% of the deaf community, they only feel at home when they're with other deaf people. We spoke about culture, we spoke about community, we spoke about the importance of education. Another aspect that I wanted to mention is you've had roles in the media space from being an anchor, field presenter, director of Signature, a television program for deaf adults, and you received a Best Presenter Award. I consider that the media is a critical communication tool, not just for broadcasting information, but also influencing public opinion. And when I look at this from a point of view of women across Africa, um, particularly as you highlighted within the deaf community, it's important that people are appropriately portrayed in the media content and that they're recognized. There was a study in 2015 by Genderlinks which showed that across the media industry in southern Africa, women's views and voices only account for 20% of news sources in southern African media, which is lower than the global average of 24%. How effectively do you think the media is engaging with the deaf community, particularly women? Wow. In 1994... When we became a democratic company and Mandela was freed and everything changed dramatically in South Africa, that was when we had a two TV programs for the deaf, one called Sign Here and one called Signature. And it was incredible. We had, I think, seven deaf people in, in the crew and two were black and some were white and I was Indian, so it was amazing. We had a lovely mix. Everybody was represented racially and Gender-wise, it was incredible. Being, you know, the anchor presenter and the field presenter and, and being a strong woman involved in the media, it was an incredible time. Unfortunately, I think 2001 was the year. Signature was closed down due to budget cuts. Unfortunately, the SABC offered either DTV as a children's program or Signature as a deaf adult program. Those were the two options, and DTV was um, chosen as the children's program. 
Um, unfortunately, so there was no adult programming. Yes, that's correct. And DTV was closed down last year, so now there is no longer any program available for the deaf community. So, yeah, 2001 was when Signature was closed down, and then last year DTV, and I think it was around July, was also closed down, also for the same reasons, budget cuts. Um, which is very sad because now there is no program available specifically to the deaf on TV. And as you know, radio is completely inaccessible to the deaf. Um, so the thing is, the biggest thing is something called incidental learning. It's when little bits of information are announced on the radio. The 8th of May, we'll be having the elections or something happened. There was a flood. There's flood warnings, heat wave warnings, all those things. Just little bits of information that are broadcast through media but that the the deaf don't have access to. So whether it be women or men, the deaf don't have access to that at all. So unfortunately, the media, they don't cater for the deaf community in general. We don't know a lot because we didn't... They say you have a right for this or you have a right to equality and we don't know that, unfortunately, as the deaf community. Um, we spoke earlier about a language delay in the deaf community. So even stuff like newspapers, it's not always accessible to the deaf community because maybe the standard of English is, is not at the same level of where the deaf community are. Subtitles is not available on TV programs. Um, there's perhaps one news broadcast a day that has an interpreter on, and then even then it's not the highest quality interpreter. I mean, I, I recently went overseas, and it was incredible. They do live captioning on the news. I was fascinated. Like, that was the first time ever I had, you know, like, full access to what's going on in the news. But even that, like, most deaf people can't afford stuff like DSTV to have the, the subtitled programs. So, and especially, again, like I say, when someone speaks at a very high level of English, we lose access to that as well. It so, seems that the deaf community is neglected by the media. Given your experiences, uh, particularly in the media and your exposure overseas with aspects like live captioning, what do you think needs to be done to improve on, on these issues? Wow. The thing is access at the end of the day. We need to have access to communication. So whether that be through subtitles or through interpreters on like the news for example those are what's important programs need to be subtitled whether it be news or just a television program or something subtitles is what makes it accessible for us on any channel like like dstv there are some programs where you can get um subtitles but unfortunately on SEBC there's no access to subtitles even things news programs like carte blanche that may not necessarily be the news but they discuss very relevant issues and very pertinent issues that that also involve the deaf community but we don't have access to that information so access is the biggest thing and um, unfortunately radio is something you can't really change the access to you know we can't all of a sudden make an interpreter come out of the radio but in terms of tv we have tv we need interpreters on every news broadcast qualified quality interpreters and some some programs, for example, on SABC, like Issy Dingo, for example, or Seven Delan, those kind, sometimes they will only put subtitles when someone's not speaking English. So we only miss half of the information. 
so in, with 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 women it's it's even further barrier in terms of like healthcare they go to um have a checkup on a pregnancy they don't know even know how far they are along in the pregnancy they don't know at what point to expect the baby to be born because they don't have access to healthcare they don't know the information on healthcare as well so it, it's 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 a very sad situation unfortunately it all boils down to access at the end of the day. So the only way to improve that is to make sure that we have access through interpreters and subtitles. That's what's important. That's what we hope for. Offline, we were chatting briefly about qualified interpreters, and you mentioned an astounding statistic that there are 10 officially, I think you said it was San, San Lac. It's Sati. Sati interpreters that are accredited and we've got a population of just under well estimates of one million deaf people that's a, a, a crazy ratio yes it is absolutely in south africa our pool of interpreters in, in, in terms of quality qualified interpreters is very few there are hearing people who can sign um, but unfortunately, they don't know things like the code of ethics that have to be followed, especially, for example, coders, which stands for child of deaf adults. They are hearing children who are born to deaf parents. So they know the language. They know how to sign, but they don't always know a, l a lot of the further stuff. They don't know the linguistics of sign language. They don't know the rules of being an interpreter, the professional professionalism that they have to follow, the behaviours, the code of ethics, those kind of things, unfortunately, are unknown. So, yes, we have just under a million deaf and hard of hearing people in South Africa, and to have 10 accredited interpreters, it's very, very few, which means that, again, we have further barriers to access. We go to court, we go to university, we go to the police, we go to hospital. There's no interpreter who who can um, give us the right access to information. Sometimes they will bring a, a family member or a friend who might be able to sign a little bit. But unfortunately, a lot of the information gets misunderstood and misconstrued. So thankfully for us at EDEF, we've actually set up a training program now, a learnership that we would like to train more interpreters to become qualified. Yes, SATI, the South African Translators Institute, is a long-term goal for all of the interpreters, but at least to get some sort of qualification. Even certain things like confidentiality, it's something that is huge within the deaf community. But unfortunately, if interpreters aren't following a, co a proper code of ethics and a proper confidentiality, deaf people c feel like they can't trust their interpreters to keep their information confidential. I mean, in some of the European countries, it's incredible what they do for the interpreters. They offer them free physiotherapy and they go to free psych psychologist counseling sessions because they also go through a lot, you know. So unfortunately, in South Africa, we are very far behind in terms of that. But just to have enough interpreters to grant access to all the, the deaf would be an amazing first step. So SATI, the South African Translators Institute, um, those are the interpreters that we need. They, they have followed a very strict code of ethics. They know how to voice properly, how to adapt to the mood and the, the, the feeling that is expressed by the deaf person. So there's a lot still to go, a long, long journey. This leads me very nicely to potentially where you are positioned today. Your company 
e-deaf trains and empowers the deaf and is clearly filling a, a niche in terms of, of the needs of deaf people. Can you please tell us what prompted you to launch EDEF? Wow, that's an incredible story. I, I based it, to be honest, on all of my experiences from the time I started school up until 2007 when I, I opened EDEF. I had been in the media industry, I had been involved with DEFSA, I had been an assistant teacher, so I had been in the deaf community. And my passion was always look through the eyes of the deaf. What do the deaf need? It's easy for a hearing person or, or for any person to say, oh, deaf people need this, this and this. But we need to see through their eyes. What are the barriers that we as deaf people are facing? What is the problem? With, why do we fight for so long? Why have we battled for so many years? What is the problem? And I think to look through the eyes of the deaf has always been my number one goal. So through my experiences... Um, I, I realize what the deaf need. And originally we started EDEF, it stands for Employ and Empower Deaf. We started it originally just as a recruitment company because we thought the biggest thing deaf people need is jobs. That's what they need. And so that's why we decided to establish EDEF originally just as a recruitment agency. So at a later stage, not very much after, maybe a year later, we, we decided to start offering training because we realized there was a huge gap in the training market as, um, as well. There was a huge gap where deaf people needed that little bit more education on, on, on how to behave in the workplace, how to cope in the workplace, what to do. So we offer now, over the last 10, 11 years, we've been offering IT, we offer adult education and training to improve English, we offer wholesale and retail learnerships, at the end of the day, all we want to sh do is show hearing people and show companies and show the business world that the deaf can do anything. They can do it. They just need to be given the opportunity. We're not stupid. We just need to be given more access and more opportunities. So a lot of deaf people, they want to become an accountant, a lawyer, a scientist, whatever the case may be. And we never say, no, you can't. We just look at how they're going to go about it. But unfortunately, a lot of teachers of the deaf, and for many, many years, the same happened with me, they'll say, no, you can't. You can't do it. You, you, you're deaf, you can't become an accountant. You can't become a lawyer. You can't do anything. And so we at EDEF always try and look from the perspective of the deaf people can. They can do anything except hear. That's basically how we look at it. And it's just about saying, okay, perhaps accounting is not for you because you can't access university, don't have an interpreter, we can't afford it, whatever. We at EDF offer IT. It's, it's something visual. It's something that the deaf flourish in. And so that's why we started offering learnership programs as well. And so we realized they need more than just jobs. You know, the deaf need everything. So we, we decided we, we want to be there to give them empowerment through training and then through job opportunities as well. I mean, we do a lot through database capturing and technical support of wholesale and retail. We've been working in the wholesale and retail um, area for many, many years. And it actually is perfectly suited to the deaf community because they don't need to be able to speak on a telephone in order to work in a shop. You know what I'm saying? So we believe that the deaf can do anything. So besides the training and the learnership, it also sounds as though you're facilitating job access so that when people come to you as students, 
that they graduate and can work in industry post their qualification. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, s we still focus very much on our um, recruitment side. There's a huge um, law, uh, law company called Cliff Decker Hofmeyer. They recently started a partnership with us and they, they're flourishing. Our deaf are flourishing there. We, we worked with ShopRite and Checkers for the past 10 years, placing and, and, and training people through there. We have, part we, I mean, we have huge partnerships and it's, and now we've actually also partnered with National Treasury through the Jobs Fund. We do uh, we have a matched funding um, project with them, which we're now in the first year. But our aim over the next three years is to place 720 deaf people in permanent positions as well, not through the learnerships, but into permanent positions. And so far, we are reaching our quarterly targets every few months. We are. It is an ongoing process, but. We are hoping to have about 60% um, of our learners in permanent positions by the end of their learnerships um, now in March. So we, we've got 720 people placed, but not only that, our project with the Jobs Fund also includes training of interpreters. So we actually have now a learnership where we're training um, 20 interpreters as well. Our goal at the end of three years is to set up what we call a relay center. It is basically like a call center for the deaf. So we have interpreters and they are all together in this relay center. And if a deaf person needs an interpreter for whatever reason, going to the hospital, the bank, the doctor, wanting to phone the doctor and say, can I please book an appointment for eight o'clock tomorrow morning? They have, they can just access the, the call center through video call and say, um, please book a doctor's appointment for me or I need to go to the bank for this and this reason. And then we have our interpreters available over video call um, to interpret for everybody. So those are the things we're working on at the moment. That is such a, a great resource, uh, such a gap that you're filling and your passion is coming through so loud and so clear on the world is open. The only thing that deaf people cannot do is hear. Absolutely, absolutely. And our learnerships as well, um, all of our learnerships, we work very closely with sponsor companies. So our, our learners do receive a monthly stipend for in terms of their transport and food. And it, it's a huge, it, it teaches them a huge valuable lesson on personal finance as well. So like, like you said, we try any gap we see, we try and, and fill it. Today, we're talking to Nazarene Capitu Bana, who is the CEO of EDEF, an organization that she founded in 2007, which focuses on training and empowering the deaf. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. Today, we're talking to Nazarene Capitubana, who is the CEO of EDEF. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous conversation, Nazreen took us through her journey thus far, 
emphasizing on aspects of deaf identity, deaf culture, deaf education, and looking at the employment and empowerment opportunities that she's creating within her space to allow deaf people to prosper in society today. Nazarene, we are coming up to International Women's Day, the 8th of March, and it's a period where the world celebrates women. (coughs) The theme for this year is Think Equal, Build Smart, Innovate for Change. In your opinion, what role do you think movements uh, like events of this nature or social elements play to advance gender equality? Well, if I look at if, if I look at the South African context, and from 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 the the perspective of deaf women, we have a further oppression after just being female. So <coughs> we we also. Fight hard all the time for for gender equality. If I can just give you an example in the workplace, let's say there's a queue of people who are ready to hand in their CV. You'll see a person coming along in a wheelchair, a person who's who's blind comes with a cane. They're taken straight to the front of the queue. The deaf people are left right at the back because they can't communicate. They can't tell someone, "Listen, I'm deaf. Can somebody help me?" Or "I would like to apply for this job," or whatever the case may be. So. Even further to being female, dis- disabled females are, are further oppressed and even more so the deaf, the deaf females as well. So I believe that these kind of things, these kind of celebrations are very important to create the awareness of gender equality. And we need to also show that not only do we need to be equal as genders, we need to be equal as, as human beings, no matter what our race or our disability or our gender is. We, we, we as deaf women also need to, to start to step up and say, we need, what do we need? I think we're too scared to say, we need, as deaf people, an interpreter. I, I go to the hospital as a deaf woman. I need to see a gynecologist. I need a female interpreter with me. Those kind of things, just making me as a human being able to access equality with, with, with the gentleman as well as with hearing people. So I think being a deaf woman, it's, it's, it's a double oppression. And I think more than anything, we need an awareness. I mean, there's a huge issue with abuse and, and gender-based violence, not only in the hearing community, but in the deaf community as well. Places like DEFSA, the Deaf Federation of South Africa, they do a lot of work in terms of workshopping um, women's rights, human rights, the role of, of the woman, those kind of things. But there is still a long way to go. I mean, there is with, with hearing people as well. So from my experience, I think a lot of the time deaf people, again, are scared. Um, they're scared to stand up and say, this is what I need, um, especially as deaf women. So I, I believe it's, it's possible to have a better life for, for deaf women and for, for women in general in Southern Africa and in Africa and in the world. Um, so yes, deaf people, males and females, are, are oppressed, but females obviously just have that extra barrier to get through. But I think it's important that we as females empower ourselves, know your rights, protect yourself, know that you are, um, you are, you you have the right to access, you have everything, you have the opportunities, but stand up for yourself. Like I, I want to see deaf women also 
become more business owners, become managers, to, to follow like the, the way I have done so. Like that is what I want to see is deaf people standing up for themselves. Now, turning towards more of a personal perspective, you are one of seven siblings. You grew up in an impoverished environment. You have gone on to achieve a lot of successes in your own right to now owning your own company. And one of the questions that I ask all my guests who have made significant achievements in their respective their careers is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. Some people speak about hard work, perseverance. What would you say have been some of your driving factors? <sighs> to be honest, I think it's, for me, I always, I, I try to live my life with my eyes open. I see what other people do and and. I believe that the deaf can do the same. When I was young, um, there was a, a TV program that had um, Molly Matlin. She's an American actress, and she played a lawyer. She was in the movie Children of a Lesser God. I mean, she, she's, she's done incredible things herself. But anyway, she was on a TV program where she acted as a lawyer. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I can do that. If somebody else can do it, so can I. And that was when I went to my teacher and I was like, I'm going to become a lawyer someday. And she said to me, you can't. You're deaf. You can't become a lawyer. And I mean, I was heartbroken because that was my dream. You know, I had seen somebody else do it on TV. And if she can do it, why can't I? And that's when I, I, I realized and I still to this day always think, you know, people don't have their eyes open to the world. They don't see opportunities that are there for them. And I mean through being a teacher's assistant, through attending conferences, through traveling, being in the media industry. Yes, like you said, I, I come from a very poor family and very poor background. There were lots of brothers and sisters, but I always had support. And my family said, no matter what you want to do, you can do it. So I, I believe that having that support um, has helped me to have my eyes open to opportunities. So... I've, yes, I got the opportunity to travel when I worked in the media industry. Um, and now I have like an incredibly supportive husband who gives me everything. But I think at the end of the day, for me, it's just keeping your eyes open. Don't listen to everybody who says you can't do it. If you keep your eyes open, if somebody else can do it, so can you. If you believe you can do it, you can do it. So it's always about looking for opportunities that come around. Don't sit and wait for things to to, to come to you, open your eyes and look for what's there. I mean, I look at someone like Michelle Obama. I mean, she's incredible, you know, and I say she is a, a, a black woman who, who has strong and who is independent and who has power. And when she speaks, people listen, you know, and that's how I feel. I want, when I speak, I want people to listen, you know. So I think, I mean, even the same thing, people say, oh, but, you know, we have barriers our sign language isn't recognized. I'm like, but keep fighting. Somewhere, somehow, somebody will recognize it and somebody will look. Some say, oh, but I can't get a driver's license because I'm deaf. And I'm like, nonsense. We can drive. We can do this. We can do anything. For me, it's, it's, it's yes, it's about perseverance, but it's also about your attitude. You know, if you say, I'm looking for opportunities, I'm not waiting for something to come to me. I've got the right attitude, uh, opportunities, I will be able to see them and I will grab them. Thank you. And again, as I said, your passion is so, so strong about overcoming any barriers that are presented to you. 
We are yes, absolutely. unfortunately coming to the end of the show. So can oh. I please ask you in closing to share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young ladies listening to us or watching us on the continent? Well, what I say, South Africa, Africa, young women, what I want to say to you is hearing or deaf, it doesn't matter. You can do absolutely anything. Don't give up. Don't let somebody else tell you you can't do it. If something comes along, an opportunity, grab that opportunity. Even if you don't think it's something you want to do or you want to use, if the opportunity comes along, grab it because it's important. Have faith and be patient because that is the way you will achieve anything. Thank you so much for your important message. We really appreciate you joining us today. And thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Nazarene Capichubana, who is the CEO of EDEF, an organization she founded in 2007 that focuses on training and empowering the deaf. If anyone would like more information on her offerings, please go to www.edef.co.za.